speech pathologist Aaron Gatellis joins us today on the Before You Kill Yourself podcast. She shares with us how she helps men who are transitioning into becoming a woman with their voice, how to sound like a woman, the tonation, uh, different phrases and words that they use. And what's really fascinating is that we're not just talking about men transitioning into becoming a woman. We're talking about transitioning in general and how challenging that is, whether you're transitioning from marriage to divorce or from divorce or from being single to married or uh, to having kids or from one job to the next. We all experience different transitions, uh, whether uh, you uh, have a health transition, uh, maybe you have a new diagnosis or you're moving from one city to the next or from college out into the real world. Transitions, whether uh, good or bad, are challenging for most of us. So, And at the 48-minute mark is when Erin shares her own personal journey through uh, suicide attempts and hospitalizations. So stay tuned for that. And thank you for joining us. Let's get into it. That's one of those, I feel like sign language is becoming more popular today. I just feel like I learned it and then never used it, and so I forgot a lot of it. Really? Uh-huh. You, you, like, you always hear, like, I just read a story about a, um, a United flight attendant uh, using sign language for one of the passengers that was Aww. coming on. But I'm like, how did the how did the flight attendant know? Just did. That's lucky. Uh, right? It's like that vibration thing. The, I just, uh, on that plane. <laughs> well, I would imagine if they had, like, a um, maybe a hearing device or something to let them know that they may be, and then she probably... Yeah, Assume maybe that, that we have a... Um, how long have you been doing sign language? Um, I learned it in high school, yep. so it's been a long time, but I forgot a lot of it. Like, I got certified in it, and now I have to look up everything. God, that can... sucks, right? Because um, I had a friend, he knew like eight languages, and then he forgot most of it because he lives in Indiana, and there's like no... <laughs> diversity english <laughs> and barely and english yeah, right? barely. and midwestern english so i apologize for my accent because i'm from chicago so oh that's where i'm Same from thing. yeah rogers park oh barrington all right oh, so not right actual but still <laughs> I hey, you know what that's close enough i had yeah. somebody from gary indiana try to claim chicago okay yeah no i'm yeah. better yeah or at least closer <laughs> or something i don't know so uh, i'm here with aaron what's your last name get tell us Gatellis? Mm -hmm. What is that? Is that Polish? Italian? It's a mix of Russian, Austrian. Everybody thinks I'm Greek. I'm not. <laughs> but. Gatell. All right. And I met Aaron yesterday. I was I was tr working out outside because uh, I was trying to get my vitamin D and my sweat in at the same time. And Aaron was also out there getting her workout. Oh, she was preparing for her workout, waiting for her trainer. And she was setting up this this lovely happy birthday <laughs> display. Uh, I was like, wow, they must have – how long have you been with your trainer? Um, I've known him for me almost three years, but I've been training one-on-one -on -one since the end of February with him. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what what happened with your last trainer? I didn't have one before oh, him. I, oh, I thought you said you've been training with him for three years. Oh, and no, then you... I, I've known him for three years. He teaches um, oh. fitness classes too. Okay, so that's okay. How I got him. you, got you. All right, that makes sense. Um, 
And yeah, you were setting up this huge happy birthday display outside. And I was like, this is a cool, this is a cool client, cool woman. And then we started talking and uh, you said you're a speech pathologist. Mm -hmm. But specifically, I was like, this, I don't know how, how you could get more niche, is niche the word? Yeah. Then um, you work with transgender people who uh, on their voice and mm -hmm. and changing their voice and uh, working on the intonations and blah. Can you speak more about that? Sure. Just in wh wherever you want to start, we'll get into it. Okay. So more specifically, it's voice feminization because if you switch from um, if you were born female and you're transitioning to male, testosterone will usually lower your voice about an octave. So I don't see many transgender men. 95% okay. um, of my clientele is females. So I work on feminization, increasing the pitch, um, changing the resonance, changing intonation patterns, fluency patterns, articulation. There are just a bunch of different elements that you need to target in order to sound female. Um, and we know those different patterns between the male and female voice, which is pretty cool because uh, most people just think they just increase in pitch and go into falsetto and they're up here. And we have to train people. No, it's actually not that big of a difference, but there are these other elements. Where do you usually start people off at when you're trying to teach them this? Is there like, you know, like in when I t I've taken voice lessons mm -hmm. and they start you off with like, you know, red leather, yellow leather, do, re, mi, fa, so. Like, where do you start? Where do we begin? Yeah. <laughs> breathing. Um, breathing. Step one, breathing. They have to have yeah. good breath support to support this new pitch range um, in we, a healthy way. At, now, because I personally train, too. Teaching someone how to breathe is, if they don't know how, is so challenging. I know. Especially for uh, women, I found. Oh, really? Uh, because uh, they, uh, in their chest, they hold it in a diaphragm. Um, I'm I having guess. difficulty breathing all the time because I'm <laughs> focused on it. Thanks for the anxiety. <laughs> right. It's kind of like when somebody talks about yawning, then you all of a sudden yawn. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm so tired all of a sudden. <laughs> nice. Uh, but, um, but so, like, I, I've tried crocodile breathing. I put my hand on their stomach. Mm -hmm. How do you teach someone how to uh, like can you give us like two different techniques on I either have them lay down and put something on their stomach like a book so they can actually see the book raise and come down and start to feel it down there because most people lift their shoulders right. and you're not going to really do that when you're laying on the floor and you're watching this object go up and down or just feeling that pregnant belly come out and then see if they can sustain an S sound for 10 seconds. And then let's do it again. See if you can sustain an S sound for 12 seconds. And see how long you can do it over and over. And then maybe add an SH or a Z sound before we even get into doing the he's, has, and who's. Um, so it's a nice, safe way to sustain a sound with your mouth closed. And it's just airflow. I, You know what? That's the element that I'm missing, the visual. Because... Uh, you know, I put my hand on the stomach and mm -hmm. I'm like breathing to my palm where I have them lay down on the forehead and do the crocodile breathing. But not a, I never thought about the fact that some people might need to visually see an object rising up and down mm -hmm. uh, to for it to sink in. That absolutely makes sense. I've never heard of crocodile breathing. Crocodile breathing is where um, it's the same concept as like you know, putting the book there so to get that appropriate stuff to feedback. But basically they're laying on their stomach with their forehead on their hands. And then the, and then you're asking them to breathe into the ground because then their stomach feels the, the ground. Uh, okay. And so they get that, they go, so then it's the, you know, the cue is like, 
um, push the ground away with your belly button and then, you know, pull your belly button all the way into your spine. So you're going between those two things. Sometimes I'll put my hands um, also in that position uh, at the sides and I'll say, push my hands out and then bring them back in. And so just, you know, it's all these different cues of uh, trying to get... If that doesn't work, then, like, I put them through, like, an extensive cardio and then be like, all right, now breathe. And then then I, then I you can get them to breathe, you right. know, but it's it just depends on where they're at. That's what their... I should start doing. Go for a run yeah. to the door and back, to the door and back, <laughs> and then see how they do. Yeah, almost drown and then see where you... <laughs> yeah, good idea. <laughs> so a- after you, you know, with the breathing, the S sound. With the breathing, uh-huh. once they, you know, show that they have proper breath support to a certain degree, usually that very first session, we'll start doing different hums with the M sound because, again, that's a very safe way to play with your voice and see how low you can go to how high you can go. And then I have a visual that they can look at to see where I want their pitch to kind of fall in between right. so they can glide their and then try to stay monotonous between those two lines. And then you add just a couple of vowels, the me, 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 ma, 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 and see if they can do that. Yeah. Um, if they can't, sometimes that first session is just humming and getting used to the voice and playing with the voice. But typically, you then go into words and say, you sustain the M, mad, male, make, and you try to keep it within that new pitch range, wherever they can hit that's higher than their natural starting point. Now, when you listen to uh, Caitlyn Jenner speak, does he need, she need more voice lessons? I mean, if she's happy with her voice, then no. Um, it, it has some more masculine qualities than a lot of my clients would want. Um, but some people don't change their voice at all, and they're very confident and... And that's great. It really is just a difference that we're making. So if somebody's happy with their voice, I think it's great. That that makes sense. Uh, some people, yeah, would stick with the voice. That's so fascinating to me. Um, what now with, are there words that you also are teaching? Like, because like, there's certain, you know, um, if we're, if we're going by stereotypes, right, mm-hmm. there's certain words that men generally say or phrases that we typically say versus what women typically say. Is that part of the vocal training also? Yes. That's and so what – can you talk – can you expand more on that? Women, I know this is shocking, but have a tendency to be more talkative <laughs> and more wordy. Um, so it's a lot of adjectives that we're adding in, a lot more descriptive words that are used, um, where men tend to be more direct. This is how it is. And it's and it comes out in the speech pattern, too, is more choppy. Let's go. Versus a female saying, oh, I think it's time to go now. You know, and you've got all those different waves and stuff. Um, so it is. It's just it's making maybe something that we can say in three words. 10. Um, that, that to me, I would imagine is very challenging because I just know even when I'm, I'm corresponding with my female friends, like they're sending these long and I always feel like a jerk because I'm just like, cool. <laughs> Can you start over from that sentence? Because I, you lost me. At, and then, yep, yeah. that's right. <laughs> I know even like with the voicemails, you know, like so I was I'll look at the length and I'm like, three minutes? Like, what are you saying in three minutes? It's important. <laughs> whatever it is, you listen to it and you listen intently because whatever is said is important. 
<laughs> oh my god, that's probably gotten me in the most trouble. Like I'll, I'll refuse to listen to three minute. You know what it is? Is um, I think part of it is depending on like how you were raised. Because like I was raised with my mom, and my mom would have these long, and I'm just like. <sighs> done you know mm -hmm. i just like there'll be times like when i'm talking to my mom on the phone i can put the phone down leave come back she's still talking uh -oh. and and so you just you learn that early on and so now when i feel like a woman's i just put the phone down and come in <gasps> you might miss some <laughs> some bits that you're gonna wish you remembered because we don't forget oh, yeah. that you missed those bits <laughs> so you might want to maybe especially if it's a voicemail here i'll help you out just listen to like the first minute and give yourself a break go do what you need to do right. go work right, out right, whatever right, come right. back listen to the second minute right oh yeah i definitely treat it like a like a tv show i just like i just want the recap you right. know give me give me give me the gist of it up front and i'm like All right, i know where this is going i put the phone down and i come back at the end got it you know right <laughs> The um, what is there? Is there a dietary change that has to that affects that? I'm only asking because I know, like, when I eat certain foods, my voice gets Your voice, raspy. Right. So acidic foods, mm -hmm. things like that. All the same things we would tell any voice client. That's what we tell our transgender voice clients because you're going to become more dry if you have a lot of caffeine or dairy products that causes phlegm, all the same things. And a lot of what we do in the sessions is very voice therapy driven to make sure everything's done in a healthy way. So we'll practice the pitch. And the reason you use the M's is it's called resonant voice. It's bringing that voice forward and keeping everything buzzy so everything moves appropriately. Um, is a big thing that's used in voice therapy that has been researched and shown to really help modify uh, a voice. Uh, for when you were just talking about the M's and um, you know that resonance, I was thinking about this singer and I forget her name. Uh, she's popular, but she stutters when she speaks, but does not have a problem when she sings. So interesting. Yeah. And I wonder if. You may have seen that with maybe a client who had a speech impediment as a man, but in the transition to a woman, lost that speech impediment or incurred one. Yes, I have seen people develop a tiny stutter sometimes, especially in the beginning, because of as much as they're thinking about, they kind of stutter over their words a little bit, or they get so nervous to say the next thing on the list. And I know I'm scary, but like not that scary. You know, so they're nervous to say what's ever next because they want to do it right. They're trying so hard and they're really tense and their muscles are tense. So, some, so sometimes that happens. And it's very interesting. And the other weird thing I've noticed with, I think four clients now, as they develop a little bit of an accent, a little bit of a British accent. It's very interesting. But a it sounds British very accent. it sounds very female. So I'm like, do we want to keep the accent or do you want to come back to America? I don't know. It's true that the British accent does have a feminine quality to it. Mm -hmm. I just had uh my my last guest who was on my hundredth episode, uh, male, but there he has a, a, a feminine quality mm -hmm. in, in how he articulates. So pretty. And it, it's, it's the stereotype of, uh -huh. of, of them. Yeah, absolutely. So that's interesting. Uh, a British accent. <laughs> so, and, and two people were just like, okay, I, no, I'm fine. Yeah, they'll, they'll it keep feminine. it. Yeah, I'll yeah, keep yeah, it. Right. I was There's like, you more should. authority there and everything. What, what's the psycho? Is there... You know, as because as me being a personal trainer, you know, you go in and you learn all the exercises and the movements and blah blah blah, 
and uh, and that's what you focus on early on. And then you realize, oh, this is like 80, 90 percent psychology. This is this is more about our relationship, mm-hmm. about our connection. I mean, otherwise, you're not setting up a happy birthday display for your trainer right there if it was just about you know do 20 push-ups and 10 burpees and blah 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 is there that component also in speech pathology and to what extent it's probably just as large as it is in the fitness world um You've got a lot of people, just like fitness, that are very insecure when they first show up. They feel like they're not themselves. They're not in their bodies. It's hard work. So then there's a lot of the feeling of, I can't do it, and having to talk that person out of that. And with the transgender community, they're going through a huge change where they have family members that no longer speak to them. They're getting divorces, um, trying to figure out, you know, should I go through with this if my spouse is going to leave me. There's just so much that they bring with them that a lot of it's just listening during the session and just being there for the person and to try to give them that confidence so that we can find their voice and give them that voice within their voice. Um, So yeah, it's just the same as fitness, I'm sure. Well, yeah, you know, I I didn't, you know, I mean, I've I've heard the stories and I have thought about about a little bit, but as you're saying it, you know, I'm realizing to what extent, because you're not just talking about a sex change or a gender change you're talking about a relationship changes mm-hmm. right because a lot of them are married a lot of them do have children and then the job that you had right and how does that affect work and so it because our, the transition is already expensive and then if you lose your job on top of that and you're going through a divorce i understand now why like the suicide rate it so could high. be so high it's i think I think the last time I checked was maybe 40%. I'm not positive, uh, yeah. but there it's, was, but yeah, it's, it's high. between 22 and 44%. And the reason why there's that huge gap in, in uh, percentage numbers is because uh, they don't all identify themselves as transgender. Right. There's so many different labels that it kind of gets lost in the, in the shuffle. Um, because even at, you know, at, uh, you've been with your trainer for you've known him for three years, mm-hmm. but you just started training for the past few months. You said since February, since February, year, yeah. And the first thing you learn as a personal trainer is that you can only get your client to change one thing at a time, mm-hmm. um, because everything you add to that reduces the the success rate. So, like, if I want you to change one thing, we have, like, an 80% chance of you doing that. If it's two things, it drops down to 50. Three things, we're at a 20% success rate. And then anything beyond that. So if you're thinking about the transgender community, they're going through a physical, relationship, financial, social. Right. Like, it's that's super overwhelming, you know? Just looking for parking at Trader Joe's, that's... That's <laughs> stressful. It's so stressful. I won't do it. So I can't imagine. So what got you into this line of work? Uh, So a lot of my friends are gay guys. I would go to the Abbey a lot before I even went back to grad school. Um, So when I was there, I saw a lot of transgender individuals that would come to the bar. So then fast forward to me being in grad school in my voice class, there were about two PowerPoints that addressed transgender voice. And I was like, oh, yeah. 
this has to be a thing. I, I didn't even think about it. Um, and I was just so interested from there. And I had all these questions that couldn't be answered because there wasn't that much research done yet. I got very lucky because my research professor actually did one of the first research papers on pitch. Um, so I could ask him a lot of questions and just became more and more interested in learning about the community and voice in general from there. So, so you didn't have that interest until grad school. Until I didn't know that would even be something people did until grad right, school. Right. Uh, I didn't understand the effects of estrogen versus testosterone. And I think just coming, you know, moving from West Hollywood to, to I went to grad school in Orlando, it just really stuck out as something that I thought I would like to do. It's different. It's fun. It's putting a puzzle together. And a lot of it is psycho psychologically based. And right. that was also something that drew me to it is meeting people and building confidence and um, I want to put a pin in the psychologically based, and but the difference you said, the differences between estrogen and testosterone, because I was just uh, reading recently about the fact that, you know, testosterone gets this bad rap in terms of it makes, you know, men aggressive and blah, blah, blah. But it turns out that testosterone actually uh, makes men want to connect more and increases our empathy. Because, like, if you think about how how we are after we've ejaculated or after sex, mm -hmm. we, we want space. We want distance. It's like, ah, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. So Whereas, you shot out all your testosterone yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. And then, so then, but before that, you know, we're all cuddly because, you know, we we're, we're, our testosterone is high. and And so, and it, it, it makes sense because... Guys, if you look at men with high testosterone, they also are usually very driven, very ambitious. They have a lot of friends. They they are more social. And then when you think about a guy with low testosterone, he's usually like withdrawn, isolated. So that's where the anger comes, the lack of testosterone then? Well, I don't think that anger comes from the lack of testosterone. I think that um, they both, uh, are it's there's compounding factors is basically what they're saying. It's like if you have high testosterone plus you're like I, I forget what the gene is, but there's certain genes that they um, uh, test for that uh, increase your impulsivity and okay. your anger. Uh, and so if you have those things plus a history of abuse, so that's one of the compounding things. If you're a person with high testosterone and you've been abused, then you're more likely to act out and become more aggressive. Whereas if you have high testosterone but you grew up in a loving, nurturing environment, then you would have learned how to channel that energy because it's not about the testosterone. It's like, have you learned how to channel your emotions, emotions into it's work or, based, yeah. or creativity and if you haven't figured that out then it gets you know displaced right. and then by the time you become an adult and so it's like so a lot of those habits become hardwired which is why you see you know you see some men who you know they were aggressive when they were young uh they're like man i don't know who that guy was you know because now they, they're married they have a daughter and then their daughter brings out this other side of them and and uh, and then they ev they evolve past what their in, uh, their upbringing their environment was. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure I had a question in there somewhere, but uh, <laughs> but in terms of like what you've seen and what you've read, what uh, how's the research on your end talking about testosterone versus estrogen? 
Strictly, I've just looked on the effects of voice, really, okay. and I know testosterone adds mass to the vocal cords, which mm. slows them down, which causes that deeper-sounding voice, where estrogen has no effect on it whatsoever. I oh. do see changes in my clients and do ask them, you know, how they feel now that they're on estrogen and their testosterone levels are a lot lower, um, and they do say it's a little bit more emotional, and I think when we think of emotions, what's super interesting about what you said is it's true. It's all emotions. It's just where we're channeling it. So when they say emotional, I think they mean more on that maybe sad side or right. things touch them in yeah. a different way versus yeah. how they felt before where it was channeled maybe towards, I don't know, anything Sports else. Sports. Right. Absolutely. It's true. I think because as, you know, I'm 43 now and all of my energy was – I mean, a lot of it was um, channeled into sports and football, basketball, racquetball, things like that, hiking. And as I'm getting older and I'm, I I don't have the time or the energy to, to, to do things at that level, mm-hmm. I find myself crying more. Like, Ooh. I'm definitely more... <laughs> Because I have more time to reflect, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, I, after five hours of playing basketball, like you're just exhausted. Like there's there are no feelings left. Like you got it all out. And now, you know, I, I work out for an hour now, and there's still some room for feelings. So I'm like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling all that. I got a journal, you know. You're stuck there in your head. How do yeah. I get out of it? I just want to get out. It's like I want to go hiking, but it takes an hour in traffic and then two hours to come back. I guess I'm just gonna sit here and wallow in. The, yeah, I have to figure right. this out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? So, what was your initial four-way four foray into speech pathology? If if you didn't consider what you're doing now until grad school, what initially got you into it? In sp- um, initially, I was interested in speech path. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was a thing when I first went to college. Um, but I took sign language in high school, so I was in sign language three and four with juniors and seniors my freshman year and that's what they were all doing they were either majoring in speech pathology or audiology and I was like well I guess that's pretty much what I'm supposed to do you know you're 18 that's kind of how you choose things I think Um, and then when I learned more about it because I always wanted to be in a field where working with people and um, helping people I just didn't really know well I initially wanted to be a vet but then I couldn't handle animals who were wounded and then, you know, so I changed paths, um, or mindset. And so that's how I got into it. Just very random. Smartly. So there's a, there's a, uh, an insanely high suicide rate amongst vets. Really? Yes. (gasps) It's hot. And for a few reasons. And I was real, I was like, I can't believe it. One is, uh, they're working by themselves. Usually they might have an assistant. Right. Um, two is that they are, Putting, they're euthanizing uh, or putting to sleep a lot of animals who are healthy, but the owners can't afford to keep them. So, can, I mean, can you imagine? I no, yeah. I can't. Nope. Um, and then three, they it's one of the few fields uh, where people expect them to to provide some f- free services. It's like, why can't you? Why can't you help my dog? Why can't you? I can't afford this. Why can't you? And you know, you get into that field because you're a compassionate, empathetic human being, right. and so it's hard for you to say no. And but you, um, but it also takes time to build up your practice and your business. And so you're trying to build that up. You're doing stuff for free, and you still have school loans that you're dealing with. Uh, so it's a 
all those compounding factors. Um, That's a lot. No bueno. Yeah. No bueno. So you you chose right. You you know dodged a bullet. Uh, <laughs> so I couldn't speak. handle that. I don't even like to hear about stray dogs. Yeah. Somebody's like, did you see the animal? I don't want to know. Yeah. And did you notice everybody has to finish the story? They, like they oh. have to tell you the whole thing. Like my mom's like, so there was this duck in the road. I'm like, I don't want to know. She's like, but what happened is, I'm like, can you stop? I don't want to know. I, I have to be duck. there with her. Yeah. Like she feels sad about it. So I have to join. <laughs> Selfish. Yeah. I Like uh, anything with kids, like your thing is pet. I, anything with kids, I can't. So, like, that whole Michael Jackson Neverland documentary. I was like, I can't. I don't want to hear the story no, of Chill. that's tough, So, too. I was telling one of, my, one of my friends that. I was like, I didn't watch it because I can't stand uh, stories about children being abused. And uh, even, like, Law & Order SVU, I love that show. But if there's an episode with the kid, I can't watch it. But um, And then my friend has to tell me what happened. I'm like... Oh my God! So rude. I, like, yeah, for like the next week, I was just like, oh, that. It's like, no, you, you, I have my limits, people. I can't, I can't handle it. You're like, uh, I didn't watch it for a reason, and now yeah. that you told me, it's replaying in my head. I've yeah. become the child, of course, or the child's become my daughter, and yeah. like, it's a whole scene in your head yeah. that doesn't exist. And, and, and <sighs> it's even worse to imagining it versus our seeing it. Yeah. You know, you play it up. You're like, oh. <laughs> um, you're from Chicago. Where'd you go to grad school? I went to grad school in Central Florida, University of Central Florida. Oh, right on. Oh, my God. I love Florida. I love the heat. Like, Oh, no. No? No, I could never do my hair. I would walk out and, <laughs> like, it was no. <laughs> it was gross. You're always sweaty. I did love Orlando, though. I had yeah. a lot of fun there. I lived um, by Lake Eola, downtown Orlando, uh -huh. so it was a little bit. Like twenty minutes from the school, but it was. Really so did fun. you go to uh, was it what's that thing part? Is that Disneyland down there? I what never is? went when I was there. Really? Uh huh. So are you not into that at no, all? No, I am. But every time I was planning on going, when somebody was visiting or whatever, we would look at it and be kind of like, mm, it's just a whole thing. You got to get your passes, <laughs> and then you got to get through. And I'm too old. Like you got to wait in line, and then there's kids. And then even the fast pass has kid. No, so then it never happened. But I, yeah, I should have done it. I'll fly back to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, when I went to Egypt, uh, I went to the pyramids. And, and then when I got back, it turned out when my Uber driver was from Egypt. And I was like, oh, my God, the pyramids. And he was like, you know, I've never seen the pyramids. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I thought you were from Egypt. He was like, yeah, you just kind of take it for granted that you would see the pyramids. Right. And then you, you, you leave and then you don't. And I was like, wow. And then that just made me want to explore where I live more right. now. You know what I mean? Uh, because I'm like, what am I taking for granted here? So I like did the Hollywood bus tour and was driving around and stuff like that. And it was so amazing, wasn't it? It was. was I actually it? loved okay. it. Okay. I actually had fun. The uh, I, we, we, we dodged a bullet on that one because the, the tour that she had before that, a woman was like so drunk from the night before. Mm -hmm. That's why she hates early morning uh, tour bus rides because a lot of people are drunk and then threw up on. Oh, and oh. if you've never been on like one of those L.A. tour buses, they're small. Like everybody's crammed in there. So when she threw up, she like threw up on like five people. It just like destroyed. That's a good exciting AM. She needs to be euthanized. Yes, right? That, yeah. yeah, that's fine. <laughs> She's not working yeah, anymore. Yeah. She's out. <laughs> oh. When you when you're working with people who are uh you are not just coaching them through these vocal lessons. You're like you said, you're there's also psychological and emo you become attached to them. I, mm -hmm. Like 
how how long are you typically working with someone? So it could be anywhere between two months to two years. But a lot of my clients have become really good friends with. Right. Um, and you continue the relationship beyond that. And is there, uh, like, conflict with that? Like, is there, like, a moral, like, you can't be friends outside of... Well, I don't know. I don't... It's my own business, so I, I don't follow many rules. I think a lot of what I do is not professional, so... <laughs> there probably is an ethical oopsie-daisies, but I just think of it as if we go to happy hour after our voice session, I'm just listening to see if their generalization skills are intact because sometimes when you drink – and what you drink might change your pit. I don't know. Uh, so you're doing field – you're doing field research. Yes. You're doing real – this is the grunt work right like, here. Right? I think I think I should get more for that. Um and now, uh, yeah, especially it's like they, they just paid you for the session, and you're like, wait, who's picking up drinks here? Yeah. Because <laughs> and then you feel kind of obligated. That's where the moral yeah. compass comes in, where I'm like, it's on me, isn't it? It's on me. Just, Actually, my clients are so lovely. They'll usually try to pick it up, and then I have to fight. Uh, but, I love that. Yeah. Um, how, how else do you decompress? Because that has to be uh, – that could get – I could see at times becoming overwhelming for you. Mm-hmm. How do you – do, are you so are you like Monday through Friday and then like weekends to yourself or? Yeah, pretty much Monday through Friday. I also work in the charter schools. Um, I do assessments with students okay. and stuff. But I do a lot of law of attraction following. Um, a lot of listening to those YouTubes and stuff yeah. to get recenter sometimes because there are a lot of sad stories and there are there is a lot of negativity and you have to be whole when you work with these people or there's nothing you can do, you can't help anybody unless you're centered and okay. And so I've studied a lot of the law of attraction kind of stuff and it's been really cool. It's been a year of that, um, to kind of help myself get in a better place so that when I listen to stories, I listen to them a little bit differently now, you know? And so I can give, maybe better advice of, okay, but you're replaying a story that doesn't serve you anymore versus let's delve deeper into this. You know, maybe let's tell a new story and stuff. So that's how me and I think my clients. A law of attraction is so huge. Like I, I, I um, Joe Rogan, um, he was talking about how he was watching a documentary and it was uh, like on, it wasn't this, but it was like genocide, something dark. Uh-huh. And, but then he had a show that in an hour and he said like the, he sucked he tanked because you know he was still thinking about what he just watched mm-hmm. and i think that when we you know some people who like oh law of attraction whatever but it's not so much about just attraction it's about like you're absorbing the energy right of the people that you're around the music you're listening to what you're watching what you're eating like because there's been like restaurants where like they're like, oh, the food's so great. And then I walk in, I go, but the uh, the energy, I can't, it's too loud, it's too something. Right. And that affects, you know, your whole experience also. So I've, you know, through the law of attraction, I've become more aware of uh, environment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, where am I, you know, uh, people around me, where I want to go, what do I want to do, things like that. Um, how have you... How have you, how do you like, how are you using it in your life besides what you've already mentioned or? Uh... I use it in my whole life. Like, I think there are some times when, 
you are feeling in the middle of your day, just kind of run down and you're thinking negatively. So you see, I think it's more, you just notice all the negativity then when you're in that mind space that sometimes it is like, I have to go take 15 minutes. Yes. In the middle of the day, I don't care. I'm not good for anybody right now, you know, and get kind of laid down and do maybe a little meditation or something that just gets me feeling better. And then once I'm there, I'm more useful to the rest of the world. Um, So I do it daily. I like listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks. Yeah. Yeah. Love. Love yeah. listening to those YouTubes yeah. because you connect with the people that ask questions on there where I'm like, oh, good, I'm not alone. <laughs> you, know? you never are. Um, and because sometimes I'm like, am I crazy that I'm feeling this way? And then you hear the exact same question and Abraham Hicks saying, you know, no, this is hard stuff to get through. But it's actually the easiest thing to do. And we forget that. And I think whenever I am having a more difficult day, I always remember, OK, what's the easiest way to to get what I want right now or what's the easiest way to feel a little bit better right now. Um, and that's changed my whole life this past year. What's the easiest way to feel a little bit better right now? Med- I meditated this morning mm-hmm. if, and I, I, like there's sometimes I meditate and I feel like uh, a nine year old that just wants to go outside and play. Uh-huh. I'm just like, ah, you know, yeah. and then there, but this morning I was so t- I was like, Oh my God, this feels so good. And I didn't want to stop meditating. Like, you know, when you get, you're like, oh, this is amazing. And, um, and you're right. It's like you, I realize I have to activate myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think about, like, you think about centering. I think about activation. Like, I want to activate my, I'm thinking about activating my, my prefrontal cortex. So I could, I could be thinking instead of reacting. And, um, and then, you know, even with my workout, it's like I have to activate my muscles so I can, so they're they're ready for use right. throughout the day, you know that kind of thing. Um, what is there something you that you're working on now personally with the law of attraction? You know what I mean, like because uh, like law of attraction, you talked about story, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to change your story. Is there an aspect of the law of attraction that you're uh, focused in on, or? I think in all areas, I've been trying to kind of cover everything. Right now, I'm trying to do more with my business and where in the past, maybe I would have more resistance to trying things and taking risks. I'm trying to be much more open. I'm creating a ebook right now and you know, where before I'd be like, is it worth it? Is it not? Well, no, I was inspired to do it. So let's do it. And not getting so wrapped up in all the stuff that doesn't matter, not getting wrapped up in my head and overthinking and, you know, caring how other people think about things that I do, you know, those little things that really affect our whole day. So I'm working on myself. It's a project. I'm exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) But I think with the business and stuff, I've noticed the more and more I just am like, it is, you know, it's good. Everything's good. And then everything kind of, you do, you're open to receive a lot more. And give a lot more then. Absolutely. You know, it's true about the book. I have a friend, this might inspire you. She wrote a book and it didn't sell and it was, you know, just sitting on bookshelves for like a year or two. And then uh, somebody from Oprah, this is when the Oprah show was, you know, big, um, wanted her to just do stand-up because she was a comedian. They were Uh like, hey, we're going to have you on and do like five minutes of stand-up. And then right before she's about to go on stage, the guy goes, all right, we could either... Uh, talk about you and stand up for like two minutes after, or we could just have Oprah hold up your book to her audience. And she's like, hold up my mother. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, that was helpful. And, yeah. and she has been working off that one moment 
for like the last 15, 20 years. How cool. How cool. Like, give me the chills. That yeah. moment. And yeah. out of the blue. Out of the I mean, blue. she was already going on Oprah, which is amazing. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but yeah. But it is. It's like she probably just didn't think about it anymore and was open to something else. And then this came through. It's really cool. You, yeah. It's, it's that idea of like you were inspired to do it. So just do it. Because mm. we don't, you don't know. We don't know. You don't know where it's going to lead. Right. And then somebody just, it all it takes is one person to be like, this book for this. And then all of a sudden you're like, you got this whole other business that you, right. what, so what's the book going to be about? It's for transgender voice modification. It's feminization. Um, and it, I model a lot in it. I have a lot of recordings in it so people can hear the patterns and hear the different pitch ranges while they go through the workbook. And it's really to target people that maybe can't afford one-on-one sessions consistently, or maybe there is no provider in their area and right. just kind of get widespread for a cheaper cost. Um, and also to help me throughout my sessions because I'm a hot mess. But yeah. I keep things a little bit more organized. But yeah. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean hot mess? I mean, there are papers everywhere. Uh, I don't know, cups. <laughs> I've got styrofoam cups and straws. And we're throwing tissue around. I never know what I want to do. Well, okay. So uh, do you So do you use those to help people with mm-hmm. their, like, the cups? Cause, yeah, now I'm thinking about how, like, you, you know, you had the two styrofoam cups and a string in between and people talking through that. How are you using the cups to help people with their So voice? cups and straws, they're really, they're called semi-occluded vocal tract exercises. Can you say that one more time? Semi-occluded vocal tract. Okay. So you're occluding your vocal tract so it's not so open. Yeah. You're making a smaller space to give extra pressure back to help open and close your vocal fo- so that your muscles don't have to do all the work. Um, this is where it's very much like fitness. Yeah. Um, so when you use a styrofoam cup and you poke a hole in there, you're getting that back energy to help your vocal cords open and close. And with a straw, we do a lot of like, ooh, things um, to relax again, get the vocal cords vibrating again the way that they're supposed to, especially after we kind of work them out and raise the pitch and make them manipulate their mouth and everything's tight and whatever. And this kind of just brings them back down to their center of their voice. Um, So cups are really good and straws are really good for that. I'm trying to think of what other weird things we use. Um, blowing bubbles, like as if you were five in a cup of water. So you fill the cup about a quarter of the way. We do a lot of exercises through that to manage airflow back to the breathing. Wow. So they do the bubbles and then I have them go from low pitch to high pitch and try to keep the bubbles the same height so that they're controlling the amount of air that they let out throughout that entire glide. The first couple times it's a little messy. But then they get it. It's it's kind of cute to watch too because it is they're so excited. Yeah, it's absolutely. like being a kid again. I get to blow bubbles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's really really beneficial, and you get to feel your instrument working in different ways and feel it relaxing. And for some people, one thing doesn't work and the other does, and it's it's really cool. Are there? Because um, you know a lot of this is about rapport and getting them comfortable, and I'm sure they come in with just. Like you said, there are all those life transitions, mm-hmm. not just the physical transitions. Um, are there listening skills that you were taught in your program or, or that you've learned or uh, post-grad? Does that question make sense? Yes. I didn't. Um, there wasn't a specific course. I'm trying to think if we were – if we needed – a couple psychology classes as an undergrad or not. I'm not sure. Most of that came in during actual 
internships and stuff, learning how to just build that rapport. But I know that most classes covered that to a degree, but I don't think there was like a full class on. Were there of... were there any uh, uh, applicable skills in terms of how to do that? For instance, I have a buddy who uh, is a car salesman, uh-huh. and he was like, in order when for him to build rapport, he used a thing called FORM. It's an acronym. For ask them about their family, ask them about their occupation, ask them about their recreation, and then deliver the message of what you're trying to sell them. And I, I'm wondering if there was anything in your training where, you know, uh, that's scalable like that. Um, or is it, is it just There might be, and okay. I just am awful. I'm an awful student. Um I don't really remember anything like that concrete. Gotcha. Um, I think it's always been, especially for the community that I work with, was getting to know the community and making friends. That's how I do it. People are just people. Um, so it's never with me, welcome to the session. It's just, yeah. you know, it's very like, <laughs> hey, what's up? I see people out of my place. And um, so it's really relaxed and yeah, I don't uh, know. Okay. Yeah, because you know I when I met you at form, the but I kind of want one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because when I met you, I was like, oh my god, like, I got immediately like felt like we we're best friends forever. I right. was like, oh man, I, I like this. <laughs> I was like, and then when you said, you know what you did, I was like, oh cool, that gives me a reason to keep talking to her. Yeah, um, I'm excited. And so like, yeah, I can see like you're you're definitely like more of a um, what they call a natural in terms of uh, socializing and. Um, but definitely, like you said, you need that time to like unwind and, and that law of attraction, uh, which, so you read the secret and read the secret. Yeah. Have you been, uh, agape? No. Uh, did you go to church? Are you spiritual or no, I'm more spiritual. I'm Jew. I was born Jewish and raised Jewish, but, um, more spiritual at this point. There's, there's a, a church. So, uh, you've read the secret Dr. Michael Beckwith, who. Uh, is featured in a secret teaches or um, at Agape. He has his own church right oh. here, uh, like maybe two, three miles from here. Is this a religious church? Uh, no, spiritual. Oh, okay. So he, and his whole thing is attraction. Okay. He's yeah. like, the universe is working uh, uh, for you, not against you. Right. Oh. So, like, you know, you know, he's, he's, it's all spiritual and um, come as you are. Uh, it's televised, so you could you could watch a couple of clips to see if it's something that you'd be. But you know, if that's the direction that you that you're going, that might be something you'd be interested. That'd be like in. the only church I'd be willing to walk <laughs> through the doors of. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there is there anything that we haven't talked about that? Because um, uh, you know, to me, I guess one of my questions is, do you sing? I don't. You don't sing. Oh, I mean, I do in my car, and I've <laughs> right. taken singing lessons. I'm not awful. Yeah, I yeah, can. Yeah. I have a good ear, and I can uh-huh. carry a tune. But no, I don't sing. Got you. Yeah, I think we all sing in our car or, or shower or yeah. I, I, what was I singing of? I ran a stop sign because I was singing "Happy." Oh, you were just Pharrell. so happy. Yeah, I was just like it was like when the first the song first hit, and I was just so into it. And I just completely, I had a drink or two. Uh, but <laughs> Oops, daisies. Those are details. And there was a cop sitting right there. Oh, no, less happy. <laughs> less happy. So um, he goes, 
do you know I pulled you over? And I was like, yeah, I ran a stop sign. And he was so shocked that I was being honest and, and I wasn't even being sarcastic. I was like, I, I was I was ready. I was like, I was admitting defeat. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was like, why did you? And I go, the song Happy was on. <laughs> and then I it was still playing. And so uh-huh. I, like, I turned it up a little bit and I could see him nodding his, his head. But he was like, all right, get out of here. <gasps> no way. Yeah, you let me That's go. Amazing. You're you like, do you me... want to hear about the other illegal stuff I did? Like drinking before <laughs> yeah. I got in the car? No, I'm not interested. Bye. Oh, I got a speeding ticket like two weeks ago. You I, I should have been playing happy. What? Uh, what? Where were you? Uh... Coming back from El Segundo after my little work girl hoop uh, class, I was all pumped up, yeah, driving back. Yeah. And I didn't even know he had to follow me for a while. I didn't know he was pulling me over because there was a lot of cops and a lot of stuff going on over here. Uh, so. so you thought he was just joining a party? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, was, I thought we were all speed. joining a party. And then he's like, I know the cops were speeding around you, but you can't keep up with them. And I'm like, you know, I'm competitive. So <laughs> I lost. There, um, <laughs> There's actually uh, a lot of research that says um, most accidents are not caused by um, – Drugs they're caused by emotional driving. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely so see whether, that. Oh, yeah, because I yeah, you, I've been in a car where like I'm arguing with you know my girlfriend at the time, and uh, and I'm like, oh, she's gonna kill us. <laughs> <laughs> or like if you get excited, it's like you said, like you're coming out of workout class and you still got that adrenaline going and the music, and you're just like, hey, you know, you feel invincible. Right. Yeah, it's like they're like emotional driving. You get a you get that phone call from somebody, you got a pay raise, you're like woo, and then. <laughs> Uh, so that's why we have to meditate. That is, I got to recenter. We have to recenter. Or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, Aaron, where can people find you? People can find me at pridevoiceandspeechtherapy.com. Okay. And then do you do online also? I do Skype or in person. Uh, and then last question, Aaron, and we know you're not a psychologist, but I ask this of all my guests. Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel like there's someone listening in who may be thinking about taking their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to that person? It gets better. Hold on. It gets better. I love. Yeah. And most of us have been there in that position. And I wish I could tell my 21-year-old self that. You'll be okay. It gets better. It has to. And you're here for a reason. What happened at 21, if you don't mind me? I had a lot of depression then and you know, a lot of the normal stuff. I was hospitalized for being suicidal at that age. And um, it was just a lot of mental issues then because there's a lot going on, especially when you're younger, that you don't understand. And um, so I needed some help, and I was able to get the help, and it saved my life, and I live an amazing life. And so I know it gets better, and it continues to get better. Um, So if there is help for those people, take the help. But ultimately, they're there for themselves to really get themselves through whatever they're going through. And they can. Everybody's strong enough to do it. Was there uh, – did you have to take meds? Mm-hmm. Were there meds? Are you, are you taking meds now? I do take meds now. What, what meds are you – I take Wellbutrin right now okay. daily. Um, I was thinking about coming off of them, actually. But you get a little nervous because you do get a little bit used to that. Right, um, right. But, yeah. Uh, have you tried ketamine? No. Um, or uh, ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. No. EMDR, EFT. No. Okay. No, none of those. Um, I did a lot of cognitive behavioral. Cognitive behavioral. DBT. 
DBT. What's DBT? Dialectal Behavioral okay. Therapy. That I remember was, this was a while ago, but that I, when I was 21, two years ago. Just kidding. It's <laughs> um, a lie. But, but those are the two that I remember um, when I was in the hospital that I would attend. What, do you remember, like, some of the parts of DBT or CBT that you uh, used or are still using? Cognitive behavioral, it's, I don't even remember what was what. I just remember a lot of it was, I don't know. I okay. actually don't know. Okay. I kind of blanked out on that one. Right, right. Um, but it got me better. Yeah. <laughs> so I could so say it you, you, were, you were 21, um, and then how long were you in the hospital? I There were two different times, and okay. it was for a week inpatient each, and then an outpatient program for a month. Okay. And then some intense therapy. And, and, right. Was that every day or like? Every uh, day for that month. The, every day there was therapy for that month. Uh, post and then after what was it like once a week? It was twice a week, I believe, okay. and then once a week. Okay, and then you're still seeing a therapist now? I or? was a while ago, uh-huh. a couple months ago, because I love therapy. Yeah, it's a paid hour. You get to talk about yourself. It's great. Right, absolutely. Uh, they can't judge you. Uh, I mean, they can, they but can. they, they, oh, they yeah, don't oh, need yeah. to tell you that they're judging you. <laughs> um, but no, I stopped because I did. I got really, really busy, and um, gotcha. but I think it's important for everybody, whether no matter what state of mind you're in. Yeah, it's it's even like, especially I tell my friends who are about to get married, is like, get get premarital therapy. Yes. Get post-honeymoon therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a quick check-in, you know, after the honeymoon. and um, But yeah, you know, it's like, get it before you need it. Because right. when you need it, that's like, it could be too late for it's sure. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot versus, yeah, one little thing comes up or, or big thing, you know, not to diminish anything, but something happens. That one thing is easier to talk through and figure out and get organized in your brain because so much of it is how we think about it. Right. You just have to change your thought yeah. and it changes the situation a lot of times or it opens you up to knowing what to do in that situation. And if you have somebody help you right away versus coming with 20 things. Yeah, because I was like, we already got so much on our plate, and I have like all these shows on Netflix I have to finish watching. So it's so like busy. I, I can't be thinking I can't about. Be doing yeah. that. <laughs> I, uh, I I appreciate you you sharing that journey with us. That that's that's so valuable because it, it lets people know that you know when you when you're in those places, uh, to you can go get help, and because I think a lot of, uh. The, the stigma of going to an inst- going into an institution mm-hmm. and being hospitalized is that you know it's on your record forever and it hurts you down the road or oh, like no, somebody's going to knock on your door. So yeah. you had you had a, you had positive experiences with the hospitalizations and the in treatment. I mean, the future of it hasn't affected anything other than it helped me get better. Gotcha. Um, it's never come back up. It's never, I actually haven't talked about that in years. Um, cause I just don't think, like I said, I've been doing a lot of law of attraction that it serves me to talk about it, but okay. I do think it's important for people to know, you know, who are going through a tough time that you can get through it. But me getting help, 
that was all it was, me right. getting help. Right. And it doesn't affect your job or anything. If anything, it helps you and it gives you so much more. I met some of the coolest people when I was hospitalized. Uh -huh. You know, people go, who were schizophrenic and bipolar and all these different things. And there's some of the nicest, kindest, most supportive people I've ever met. Right. Um, and I learned about what they were going through because I had my own thoughts about what schizophrenia was and I was wrong, yeah. you know, because we have stereotypes and stuff and this is just a human being struggling and so you meet a lot of people you know how to empathize even more um so it's such a cool experience um when you look back on it when you're going through right, it it's tough. right but when it's you look so back tough. on it you're like wow i grew a lot yeah. but it's never had a negative impact it's yeah. all been positive I, it, it's so true that's why like i, I um reading fiction is so good mm -hmm. because i like my here's my problem with self-help books is it sets up such a high expectation of who you should be. Right. And you don't, it, it almost feels like there's no wiggle room for you to be a flawed human being. Where like when you read fiction, you get to read the, the, the ups and downs and these flawed characters who are still struggling and fighting and, and clamoring and, and you know, um, and, and it gives you a more realistic, like I'm reading about George Washington right now uh -huh. and he, you know, he, it's like, this dude was so screwed up, you right. know? And, and, and I mean, of course, you know, he had his positive attributes. I mean, he became president and it was a general and, and, and did great Those things. Those little like things. Those little yeah, things. He's able to but, but he did all that in spite of all these other things that we, we as a society say, well, if you don't fix these things, then how are you ever expect to be this thing, or how are you expect to find love if you can't, uh, you know, do A, B, and C, or B? You know, it's like it's almost like we're like stop. You can't live life until you're a hundred percent. It's like no, I'm never gonna. I'm forty three. Like I'm I'm so below a hundred percent. Like my knee, I have a torn meniscus. My neck is all. You know, it's like no, I haven't been a hundred percent since I was like eighteen. You know, like right. So. Uh, so reading fiction, I find, has been uh, more empowering and more encouraging than um, some some self. I mean, not, I'm not. I still, I still read some of them, but you you have to balance that out because that could be a wormhole for sure. Yeah, well, because I think the self help books are being written by individuals who are in a really good spot. Yeah. So they expect you to get to that really good spot when. That's a journey. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think I really love listening to the things I listen to because mm -hmm. it is a journey and that's kind of how she describes it is it's, it's your journey and all the contrasts that you go through and all the negative things kind of build you up to be who you are. Right. And that, but at any moment, this is what I also love, at any moment you can change it by changing your thoughts. And the more you practice it, the easier that becomes when you're in that depressive state. Just get a little bit angry. It makes you feel a little bit better. Then just get a little bit bored, and it makes you feel a little bit better. And you kind of crawl yourself out of this depression that you stay in um, step by step. Um, and you can change your your feeling right then by thinking about something good versus dwelling in this place. And it's hard to do at first. It takes a while. Wait, can you go back? What do you mean get a little bit angry? That's so interesting. So I just read a book that had, and it was a Esther Hicks book, um, that was about the emotional timeline where you're in this place of depression and that's the lowest level because it's so inward. And how 
And we have all been there where we feel a little bit better when we're angry and we don't know why, but we kind of almost feel bad about it because anger is an outward emotion. Um, but that's actually moving up that timeline. But what happens is then society's like, no, you're not allowed to be angry. Go back down to sad. So we get stuck in depression because we got to get through anger right. and then realize, okay, now I'm just kind of like in between. Now I feel I feel a little bit better. I, I expressed my anger. I told somebody what I was angry about, or I just acknowledged the fact that I was angry, that whatever wasn't fair, and that's okay, and I can be angry about it, so that I can get to that next step of I forgot. There's like 20 steps, but you know, boredom, and then hope, and then happy, and then you know, you so you work your way up versus being told like why can't you just be happy? Because I can't. But can you look at the situation differently where it's not you? Maybe it's outward, push it away from you, and then work your way from there versus this huge hill. You know, I like that because uh, it's, it's, I've uh, read books where it's talking about click through your emotions, like click down mm-hmm. of like, all right, am I, am I hungry, angry, am I lonely, am right. I anxious, sleepy? But I like the idea of like, Allow yourself to get a little angry because, I mean, they, you know, people will say that, you know, depression is anger turned inward. Yeah, and, it is. And we, if you grew up in a household where your parents were controlling or alcoholic or abusive, then you, as a child, didn't really get a chance to express anger. So you're not aware of when you're really angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as an adult, that becomes depression because you're used to, to holding it in. And and you're so right. It's like, oh, that, oh, I'm angry, and I should be angry, and that's okay to be angry because I think anger also gets a negative. It's like it's everybody wants everybody to be happy, happy right. but but anger is a useful tool too. It goes back to because it's just energy, and how are you going to channel that? Are you going to channel that anger into working out? Are you going to channel mm-hmm. that anger into connecting with someone? Are you going to to reaching out or creating or meditating or cooking, mm-hmm. um, you know, playing an instrument or are you going to punch a hole in the wall? You know, right. like. <laughs> and if that makes you feel better, yeah. that's okay, too, as long right. as it's not hurting anybody else. Absolutely. And that's what I like, too, because right. then people feel so guilty. But do you feel, maybe don't do the wall, then you got to pay for the wall. It's a whole yeah, thing. Trying to punch but, something but, else. You know, you got to check for the the, uh, the support beam. Make right. sure you, you don't, don't want to break the, your yeah. hand. <laughs> but if. If screaming, careful with your vocal cords, it's a really bad example for me to give. Punching a pillow or just, you know, swearing at the top of your lung makes you feel better. Then why was it wrong? As long as you're not hurting anybody else, it's right. Absolutely. Now just get exhausted because yeah. that's another emotion. I'm exhausted. And then work from there. And, I, yeah, it, that was a really cool thing to find because I was like, oh, I, yeah, I get so this. That is so powerful. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that's what like you're, you're reading for. is like you're reading for that thing of where you go, oh, I understand. Like, this makes sense. You know? Yeah. Like, all those stuff. You're like, all right, blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, oh, that's, that makes, yeah, to yeah, feel a little angry, a little, feel the, feel the boredom. Yeah. You're like, oh, snap. Uh, yeah, because my whole thing is food. Like, that's my medication in it. I'm like, all right, like this this morning, I was I was driving and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm starving and uh, I had to have cookies and I should not have had cookies in the car, and uh, and they're just like sitting on a on a passenger seat next to me and they were calling me, and then I was like, all right, Leo, you're not actually hungry, you are like maybe a little tired, a little sleepy, a little a little anxious, 
because I'm learning that when you're hungry, when you're actually hungry, you can wait to eat. If it's an emotional hunger, right now, like like you oh, know, so it's like, that's how I eat all the time. <laughs> right now. <laughs> I don't feel bad about it either, though. It makes me feel good. I must be going up the scale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for thank being you. on this podcast. This is so great. It was so, so much fun. fun. Um, uh, I think that's it. Are you on social media at all? Is I there, am. What's your social media? Aaron Gatellis. Just my name, E-R-Y-N-G-I-T-E-L-I-S. Oh, I'm so glad you spelled it, because I was like, if anybody knows how to spell that. Like, that you, and the Aaron part. Yeah. <laughs> not, not so much as the Catellus oh, side. Right. E-R-Y-N. That's yes, right. absolutely. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember, this episode, this podcast is not a substitute for you talking to a therapist, for you going to group therapy. Talk to anybody. Call call up call up your, your, your Sprint service. Talk to a stranger. Uh, write a letter, put it in a bottle, throw it in the ocean, uh, put it, make an airplane out of it, something. But uh, your voice, your story uh, needs to be heard, deserves to be heard, and uh, and reach out. There are online therapists. There's you can text a therapist. Uh, all that. So just like Aaron said, it's just getting help, and uh, we all need it, and and that's how we uh, come out on the other side and thrive. We'll talk to you soon. Adios.